0: This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. Today's scripture reading is just one verse. It comes from Exodus 20. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This is God's word. So we are in a series uh, going through the Ten Commandments. What we just read is, uh, in Protestant traditions, the Third Commandment. And it seems simple enough that we should not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. But what exactly does that mean? mean, Have you ever thought about that? I think most of us, uh, we understand the passage pretty shallowly. And I didn't say incorrectly, but shallowly, right? I mean... Uh, many of us, it's probably one of the most well-known of the 10 commandments. I mean, most of us can't name all 10, but this would be one that we would say, right? Don't lie and don't commit adultery and uh, you know, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Definitely don't do that. And what we normally mean by that is don't cuss uh, or don't swear falsely like I swear to blank, right? You don't do that. And that's true. Uh, cussing uh, or using God's name frivolously is a sin according to the third commandment. No doubt about it. We don't wanna do that, okay? We don't, we don't wanna treat anything frivolously that is really important, really worthy, really valuable. And of course, God is the most valuable person or thing, right, so of course we wouldn't wanna do that. So hear me say the third commandment does tell you not to curse other people. It tells you not to use God's name profanely. It tells you not to swear upon his name uh, and then when we do make oaths, to break them, right? It, it says all of those things. But this morning, what I wanna do is I wanna take us a little deeper, okay? So that's the narrow meaning of the third commandment, but there's also a more broad meaning of the third commandment, and that's what I wanna talk about today, all right? So in, by way of introduction, we gotta ask the question first, what's in a name? Because we just sang a lot about the name of God, but I'm not fooled that many of us and most of us don't know exactly why we're singing that. We don't know exactly what that means when we talk about God's name. Okay, so let's back up first and let's just talk about name in general, how we, how we tend to use a name, all right? I was uh, talking recently with a friend of mine and Leah and I went to their house and in their backyard, they had this new pot that they had built, like a, a flower pot. Um, and they had a couple of them. And it was really cool. You could tell that it was like a Pinterest project or something and uh, really uh, recycled wood and they would built it. And we asked them, uh, did you guys build this? And they said, yeah, yeah, we built it. And they began to tell us the story of where they got the wood. And the, he went to Lowe's and he asked them, hey, do you have any uh, old pallets that you're not using that I can have or buy or something? And the guy kind of laughed and he said, hey, listen, no, everyone asks us about that. And if we ever have any, they're gone like that because there's such high demand. People want this, this old wood to recycle it and use it in different ways for different projects. So he didn't know that. This was, he was new to this thing. So he turned around and as he's walking out, a man had overheard them and he came up to him and he said, "Hey, hey, actually I own some apartment buildings and back behind one of my apartment buildings, I have a whole stack of these things uh, that I don't know exactly what to do, the whole stack of pallets. So you can just drive your car, or truck over there and you can take as many as you need. And before he left, he gave him his business card with the ad, and he wrote the address on the back. So my friend drives there and he, he gets out and sure enough, there's a huge stack of these pallets. And so he's by himself, so he starts loading them in. And as he's loading them in, a, a man walks out of the building and says to him, what are you doing? Where are you taking these? Who are you? So he, he's kind of like, oh my gosh. Is, you know, and everything's going through his mind. He's thinking, was he really who he said he was? Uh, is this really okay that I'm doing this? Who's this person? Am I gonna die? He's asking himself all these questions. So he, he, he just said, well, I don't know. And he took out the business card and he handed it to him. He said, I talked to this guy at Lowe's and he told me that this was his place and I could come here and I could take these. And so the man who came out of the building read the card saw the handwriting and said, okay, okay. So you see, it was the name on the card that gave him the power to be able to get those pallets. Right, names are powerful, right? Names, uh, when you have a, a person's name with some type of status, you can accrue the power of that name and use it. Right, that, that, that's what we're trying to do when we name drop, right? You've been around someone who's name dropping and they somehow talk about, yeah, I was doing this, I was doing this, and then they drop a name like I was with so-and-so or I was with so-and-so. Now, what are they doing? It doesn't always mean it's bad, but most of the time it is. And what they're doing most of the time is they're trying to uh, give themselves some type of value in your eyes that they couldn't get without that person's name. They couldn't get on their own. And so that's what we're trying to do when we're trying to accomplish someone's name because we know that when we have someone's name, it encompasses them, right? It encompasses their character and their resources and their abilities and their reputation when we have someone's name. And this is why we have laws against misusing people's names, right? I mean, that's why um, forgery, when you did that in the second grade, when you signed your parents' name on that slip that you forgot them to sign. That's why that was wrong, okay? That's why on legal documents of any type, you can be sued for forging someone's signature because what is their signature? Their signature is their name, right? You're writing their name, you're you're borrowing their power and you're saying, I have the authority to use this. The other thing is you have a a laws against defamation of character. What is that? That is destroying someone's name, isn't it? It's attacking them. It's making them less. You have the power in the misuse of someone's name to tear them down. Now, in the example that I shared with you earlier, having a name is a gift, isn't it? If someone shares their name with you, Right? He gave that card and he gave his name and therefore his authority and his power for my friend to take those pallets. Right? If you give someone authority over your name to represent you, you've gifted them with something great to steward, have you not? Absolutely, it can be misused. Knowledge of a name is a gift. And earlier in Exodus, God gives his personal name to his people. Going back to the business card analogy, The word God is very generic. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, it's Elohim. And every person who spoke that language used the word Elohim. They didn't have to be an Israelite, okay? So it's not wrong, but it's just generic. But then God, when he speaks to Moses in the burning bush, he gives his personal name. So he says, I am the Lord, or I am Yahweh. And he gives Moses his personal name in order that he would steward it. But we know that when when you're given someone's name like that, you're also given great responsibility. It's like an attorney or an agent, whether it's a sports agent or some type of agent. If you're given someone's name, power to represent someone, you have great responsibility. So if you're misusing that power for your own good, you are misusing the name. You are using the name in vain. And what do you do? If someone's using your name in vain in that way, well, you fire them. You get rid of them. This is, why, this is why it's so important that companies who have athletes or famous people who represent them, who have the power to represent not just the letters of the name, but the whole image of the brand, this is why when they do something really bad, they get rid of them, and they should get rid of them because they're tarnishing the name. They've misused their responsibility. okay. This is the way we use name even today. And so if that's how we use name, how we're used to using name, let's get back to the passage. Okay, as we said earlier, this commandment is more than language. It's about more than just using God's name linguistically. All right, it's certainly part of that because narrowly understood, name is something you speak or something you write, it's a piece of language. But I want you to look at this single verse and I want you to look at the verb, to take, okay? Because this is really important. To take, what does it mean to take? All right, so when we think of speaking, to take the Lord's name in vain and to speak against it, we are taking the word to take as mainly uh, speaking, okay? But the two main verbs in Hebrew for speak are not what is used here. The word for take that is used here normally is translated as to lift up, to carry, or to bear, just like we bear the image of God. We bear the name of God. So he who takes up the name or takes the name or bears the name of the Lord in vain, that is breaking the commandment. Okay, so we have this idea now of to take the name of the Lord is more than speaking it. It's to bear the. The name, And so the first thing I wanna talk about of the two things I wanna to mention today is the responsibility of bearing God's name. That's what this is talking about. It's not talking about speaking God's name. It's talking about bearing God's name, taking up God's name, carrying God's name in our entire life, not just our words. Yes, in our words, but in our entire life. You see, God has not merely revealed his name, but he has put his name on his people, He has made us his representatives. That's what happens, Jesus says in Matthew 28 with baptism in the Great Commission, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, what? Into the name of the triune God. Baptize them in the name of the Lord, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So to be baptized, to be brought into the family is to get the name of God put on us. Okay, we are then bearing the name of God. Paul says that he is to bear or carry God's name to the Gentiles in Acts 9. This is after he gets knocked off his horse, same chapter. In verse 15, this is what Jesus says. But the Lord said to him, to Paul, uh, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry, same word, to bear, to take up my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. So we know that Paul not only proclaimed But he lived a life worthy of emulation, worthy of the name. That's what he tells people. Follow me as I follow Christ. Watch my life. Imitate me. Imitate what I say. Imitate the life and the teaching. So Paul is sent in this way to bear the name of Jesus. And so we know that this is a great responsibility. If it's a great responsibility to represent someone as an agent or an attorney, how much more? to represent the triune God as a child who's been baptized into the name. You know, the honor of this is so great that when the disciples, right after Pentecost, shortly after Pentecost in Acts, the disciples are preaching the name of Jesus and they get captured by the council. They take them in, they arrest them, and they they beat them and they threaten them and they send them out. And this is what they say. They say that, the, the, the Luke and Acts says this, he, after being threatened, they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for what? For the name. You see, when we bear the name, it comes with this amazing privilege and responsibility. And this brings us to a really important truth about the third commandment, okay? You realize that if you're a Christian, you always bear the name of God wherever you go, think about that. When you wake up in the morning and if you, wherever you go, the first person you talk to, when you go to work, when you go get coffee, when you go to breakfast, wherever you go, you are going in the name of the triune God. The name has been put on you. You are being sent into the world. And at the end of the service, I will send you with a benediction and I'm sending you in the world with the peace of God but sent on mission bearing the name of God in all that you do. What this means is since we're always bearing the name of God, taking the name of God wherever we go, all sin, every sin is a breaking of the third commandment. If you ever act in a worthy in a manner unworthy of the name, you have taken that name. You have born that name, you have carried that name in vain. You see, every single sin is a breaking of this commandment. Have you ever thought of that? I'd never thought of that until this week. But the fact that we have the dignity of bearing God's name constantly in the world means that we have great privilege and great responsibility. Paul writes to Timothy in his first letter uh, that Christians should properly submit to their bosses wherever they go. You know, and it's not just because it's the right thing to do, right? I mean, we think, oh, well, I want to be nice and I want things to go well at work and I don't want to rock the boat. But Paul writes to Timothy and tells him to teach that the Christians should properly submit to their bosses or those who are over them, treating them worthy of honor. And this is why. He says, so that the name of God may not be reviled. So if to take God's name is not only to say it, but also to bear it, and that's how we understand it, then what does it mean, what is vanity? Right? If, that, if, it means, if to take God's name means to bear it wherever we go because it's been placed on us, then what is vanity then in this instance? What does it mean to bear God's name in vain? Well, the word vain, like this, is most often uh, carries the idea of falseness or meaninglessness. So this is what it, this is what it means. It's not in accordance with reality. If something's false, it's not in accordance with reality. So if you live your life bearing the name of God, but you're living in a way that isn't true to the name of God, then you are false. Then your life in that sense, in that way, is meaningless. If you bear the name of God, but there is a gap between the name you bear and the life you live, that is vanity, that is emptiness, that is falseness. That's what it means to falsely bear the name of God. So yes, it means narrowly don't profane it by cursing or or using it or or misrepresenting him in oaths, swearing upon his name and then breaking them. But it also means living your life in a way that's worthy of the name. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about, again, I thought it was helpful for me this week to reflect on zooming out and thinking about horizontal relationships, like how we treat names and what it means to falsely represent someone's name and what that means, and then go back to what that might mean for the commandment. So this week, you know, think about uh, little kids. It doesn't matter if you have them, you've seen them, you've been one, right? You understand the power of saying because daddy said so. You understand that power. So you think about kids. Usually, the older ones wanting to control the younger ones. Sometimes it's the other way around. Or one kid wants to have power over a kid on the playground or whatever. And so imagine a scenario where uh, there's a there's a kid locked and locked himself in a closet, and then the older kid comes and is like, "Come out!" And they're like, "No, come out!" I'm not coming out. Finally, after yelling and screaming and uh, to no avail the magic phrase, Daddy said, come out. And the door opens. It doesn't always work that way. <laughs> but sometimes, and maybe they did, maybe Daddy did say that. But I've, I've had my, I've, I, I've, I've heard my kids, okay, uh, when they don't think I can hear them, having an argument. And one of them will say, Daddy said, film bling. And no, I didn't. So I go in and I did not say that. What's happening right here? Right? You falsely represented my name. You came in my authority when I didn't give you my authority. And you used it falsely. And why? Why in that instance did they choose to do that? Well, they chose to do that because they wanted to use a name of someone else to justify themselves or to accrue some type of power, but here's the thing, for their own ends. We do that with God. We do that with God's name. We use God's name in ways when we say, especially, especially in the matters of conscience, we say, it's God's will that I blank. Really? Because he told you that, right? Right? He said, like in the commandment, he said, do not take my name in vain, right? That is God's will. Do not commit adultery. That's God's will. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's will. There's lots of things that do fit in the category of God's will. But when you're, say, trying to figure out if you wanna take a a new job or you wanna break off a relationship or you wanna enter into a relationship or you wanna cast vision in a ministry, right? We need to be really, really careful, To say it is God's will that we blank, or this is doing such and such God's way. What? I think that's breaking the third commandment. I see books on bookshelves that say uh, politics according to God or blank according to God. Listen, how about it? How about. We just say, when we're making a decision or we're trying to cast vision for people, trying to lead people, uh, we say something like, I've been praying and reflecting and seeking the Lord. That's all really good. And we say something like, "Uh, I believe this is wise. Uh, I believe that this is not sinful. And I want to do it. Therefore, I'm going to do it. Because that's really what's probably happening. Right, we're seeking the Lord and he is guiding us. Okay, the spirit dwells within us. We have his word and we, we, we seek him and we ask him. But the bottom line is, is what I need to know, is it sinful? Do I believe it's wise? Have I sought counsel? Okay, and I, do I want to do it? The answer is yes, then let's just say that. It's not sinful, I wanna do it, I'm gonna do it. Not, I think it's God's will that and this is really dangerous when we try to bind people's conscience using God's will, or even guide, or 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 put salve on our own conscience when we say it's God's will. Martin Luther uh, said this in his catechism on the third commandment. I think it's so good when using God's name in the way I'm just describing. He says all of this is an attempt to embellish yourself with God's name, or to put a good front and justify yourself, whether in ordinary worldly affairs or in sublime and difficult matters of faith and doctrine. And he goes on to say this. The greatest abuse of this occurs in spiritual matters which pertain to the conscience. When preachers arise and peddle their lying nonsense as the word of God. He's never one to mince words, Lutherism. So this is the point. We break the third commandment when we bear God's name that way, And then now when we bear God's name to make a name for ourselves. I mean, think about this. We are always bearing God's name and yet we try to make a name for ourselves. We try to make a name for ourselves in everything we do, whether it's at work or in parenting or in life, in our own heart. We try to find other things to name us and we try to find a name for ourselves because we don't embrace the dignity and the beauty as children of God in Jesus Christ, of bearing the name of the triune God who has no, is matchless, no rivals. And that name has been gifted to us. It's been given to us so we can be a conduit of Christ's life in the world. And yet we're over here rejecting that name, treating it as though that's good, but that's not real. What's real is the name I make for myself. What's real is how I uh, function in the world that makes me feel okay or makes me fit in here. That is vanity. It's flipping reality. We take the only real thing, which is bearing God's name, and we create our own name and we think that's real. But that's not real. That's meaningless. You see, that's vanity. That's the definition of vanity. Some of us, are so desperate to make a name for ourselves that we will sacrifice everything. We'll sacrifice our integrity, we'll sacrifice our family, our mission, everything to build a name for ourselves. And some of us use the church to do that. And you don't have to get your paycheck from the church in order to do that. Of course, that's a huge occupational hazard for me. But it's for any of us. It's for any of us out in the world. It's for any of us, in the church serving, we turn ministry and service uh, in, in God's name into something for us because we need to be needed, right? If I could just serve God in this way, then I would be meaningful. If I would just serve God in this way, then my life would count. Your life already does count. I mean, if you're in Jesus, the name you've been baptized into the name of the triune God. You have more value. I have more value than I could possibly describe in words. More value than I could possibly experience in a lifetime, which is why I will experience it for eternity. My imagination can't get around how much value you have in Christ, how much value and dignity I have in Christ. And yet I'm over here making or trying to make a name for myself in even silly ways. Right? Some of us need to be seen as wise. Some of us need to be needed, and not for God's glory, but for our own glory. Bearing the name of Jesus, whether it's in the marketplace or the church or the family or the locker room, wherever it is. G.K. Chesterton said, the only credible argument against Christianity is Christians. And he's getting at this. We think we can hide it. We think we can hide that we're really just out for our own comfort. We're out for our own glory. We're out for our own name. But we can see through it. People can see through it. Jesus, this is what Jesus is teaching in Matthew 7 when he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so there is great responsibility in properly, in truth, Bearing God's name. But the last point for today is the necessity of submitting to God's name. What is Jesus saying in Matthew 7? Is he saying that these people aren't genuine because they didn't have enough faith? That these people aren't genuine because they weren't religious enough or they weren't Christian enough or they didn't go to church enough? What is Jesus saying? Why does Jesus not know these people even though they claim to have lived a life in his name and done amazing things in his name? Going to the end, bottom line, this is what he's saying. Uh, False disciples may exercise power in Jesus' name. They may uh, stir up a lot of people around them. Uh, They may be charismatic in their leadership, but their activities are meaningless, or we could say vain, because they deceive themselves and other believers, desiring attention for their own self, for their own name. You see, that's what, that's what Jesus is getting at here. These people were using Jesus's name for their own name. They were building a name for themselves, doing ministry in Jesus's name, right? And some of us fight for things that are not the gospel and we call them the gospel because we want our life to be more comfortable. Some of us are so scared about things in the world that are happening around us because we're fighting for the wrong things, We're fighting for something we've called the gospel and it's actually our view of how things should be. And it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the name of Jesus. It doesn't have a whole lot to do with the gospel. Okay? It has to do with cultural power. It has to do with comfort. It has to do with prestige. It has to do with esteem. But it's not in accordance with reality. So... To close, let's look at this phrase in um, Matthew 7, submit to the will of my father, because that's what he says. He says, um, they will not enter, not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does or submits to the will of my father who is in heaven. What does he mean by this? Okay, we see that to take God's name in reality and not in vain, according to Jesus right here, is to submit your life or your will to the father by trusting him as father. Because when you trust him as father, you actually give your life to him. You don't go over here and start building a life for yourself. You actually give your life to him and he gives you your life. He gives you your value. He gives you your meaning. Now, of course, we can't talk about this without thinking of Jesus, can we? I mean, Jesus perfectly submitted to the father's will. He trusted him perfectly as the loving father. He bore his name perfectly. In fact, Jesus is the fulfillment of the third commandment, par excellence. God's name rests perfectly and is born and carried perfectly in Jesus. And in fact, now in Jesus, it is the only name given by which we must be saved. And every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. And for you and I, the way that we submit our will to the Father and have him become our Father, like Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7, is through Jesus. This is what John says in John chapter 1. John, at the beginning of his gospel in chapter one, is saying that when Jesus comes, some people will reject him because they're darkness and he's light. Even his own people, when he comes to them, they'll reject him because they're too busy building a name for themselves over here. They couldn't submit to this one. And this is the way John says it in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to them to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they've submitted their will to God and they were born of God. You See, this is amazing news because we have an amazing choice. We can embrace the amazing life of freedom in bearing in the name of Jesus, the one who has no equal, the one who has no rival, and we can become a child of the most high. Or, we can seek to build our own name. We can seek to build our own kingdom. We're at best, even if things go really, really well, we're going to climb to the top of a two-foot ladder, as I've heard it said. That's the most we get. So we can choose. We can go build our na- a name for ourselves and have control of our life. Or we can submit Through Jesus to the will of the Father and be baptized into the Triune God and receive the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, when we're in Christ, we bear his name. So here's the thing the third commandment actually leads us to freedom, it leads us to a liberated life. Because you see, this is reality, everything else is vanity. So in order to bear the name of God submitting to him in the name of Jesus in the world is the way to freedom. And so as you and I go out today, this is a call, a gentle in ways, and for some of us not so gentle, to face reality and to realize in our lives where it is we are very carefully and sometimes not so carefully Building a name for ourselves. Where is that in your life? Where are you doing that? Where are you sacrificing everything to be valued, to be accepted, to be esteemed, to be respected? And especially think about where you're using God's name to accrue power and justification for what you wanna do. There's grace in Jesus. This is not perfection. This is freedom. This call is to a life of freedom, and of dignity, and we can stop striving. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you've entrusted us with your name. We know that we take it in vain frequently in our workplace, in our family, in our thoughts, in our hearts. Words that we say, thoughts that we have, we do not bear your name as it's worthy and we confess that and we ask for you to forgive us and to change us and we know the only way that we'll change is to behold the glory of the Lord to look at Jesus to see how he perfectly displayed your name how he perfectly submitted to your will as father so I pray as we respond in song that you would move our hearts the the eyes of our hearts to behold The glory of Jesus and to be changed by that. And it's in His name we pray.